brains are prediction machines. They crave certainty because they have a sense that if they've got certainty, they're better placed to protect us. And the key goal of the brain, I think part of the reason why COVID was so scary initially, it was unpredictable, it was uncontrollable. And that is a very difficult thing for the human brain. We are deeply, deeply social creatures and we are constantly checking out, do I fit in, do I belong? And so really important is where we are in hybrid working, those little things that just make us feel connected is really important. It's not that our brains don't need any stress, they do need some. We need a bit of a challenge to get ourselves going. The human brain, when it works its best, is that sense of I'm challenged, I'm unstretched. Welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere, where CEOs, leaders, and experts at building teams, companies, organizations, and amazing cultures share how to lead from anywhere in the world. I'm your co-host on the East Coast, Judy Bianco Mathis. And I'm your co-host on the West Coast, Mitch Simon. And we invite you to join us to Team Anywhere. Hello and welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere. I am Mitch Simon, your co-host on the West Coast. And on the East Coast is our amazing, lovely, beautiful, and brilliant Dr. Virginia Bianco. Mathis. How are you doing today, Ginny? Oh, well, after that introduction, I am just doing beautifully. Thank you. Beautifully, beautiful, beautiful. Can you introduce our beautiful, wise, intelligent, experienced guest? Yes, I can. You you have a favoritism for certain words today, but that's 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 great. Those are my words today. Sorry, we're done. Yes, okay. Today we have Hillary Scarlett, a founder of Scarlet and Gray. Uh, who is an international speaker, consultant, and author on organizational change, taking neuroscience out of the lab and into the workplace. And we like that. This is very exciting for us. Your, uh, her work has spanned Europe, the U.S., Asia, and she concentrates on the development of people-focused change management and programs. She's the author of two leading books, Neuroscience for Organizational Change, and Tips on Building a Brain-Friendly Workplace. Oh, boy. You know, that, that is what a really good organization should advertise, right? Come work for us. We are a brain-friendly workplace. Hillary, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Yes, excellent. Well, Coming from London, we'll see if the perspectives are the same or different, um, and the work that you have been involved in with your clients, what have you learned from the past two years um, in terms of the workplace, yourself, uh, hybrid, you know, what's hit you? Yeah, yeah and as you, as you say, I mean, work, gosh, work has changed hugely over the last few years, hasn't it, if we think back to, to three years ago. I guess one thing that struck me just going back to three years ago is is how incredibly adaptable and flexible and resourceful human beings are that kind of literally overnight, those who could work from home did start working from home. People adapt very quickly to that. Organizations um, equip them to do that. So I think that was kind of one of the really positive messages coming out of it, that we are very resourceful, we are very resilient, we are very, very adaptable. So I think that was one of the one of the good things that came from that. I guess another good thing that's come from that is the whole thing about uh, flexible working, hybrid working. 
Um, I think up until three years ago, a lot of organisations I was working with were talking about flexible working. There was a little bit of it going on. They're putting their toe in the water, but I don't think um, they were doing it wholeheartedly. I think it was a sense of if people are not in the office, if we can't see them in the workplace, are they really working? Well, from from three years ago, we kind of had to trust people and, and people showed that, that it could work. So I think that's been, again, another great bonus is, is that ability to work flexibly, that ability to work anywhere for some people, I mean, in, in some roles. Um, indeed, I know various people who are now kind of working around the world because they can. It's, it's have, lap, have laptop and, and will travel. So that has been some of the really good things that have come out of it. I think um, another side of the thing that really struck us was the bit about social connection, the need for relationships that I think... Um, you know, I think a lot of people struggled during the lockdowns of not being able to be around people, not seeing people. I think especially people who were new into organisations, it was very difficult to form a relationship with team members who you'd never actually met. So I think I, I think that was difficult. And I think that was difficult, more difficult for certain people than others, too, um, in terms of that kind of lack of, of um, social connection with others. But again, on the upside, I would say, I think maybe it's made us recognise a bit more how important relationships are at work and how important social connection is. Um, because, you know, don't, 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 no doubt come on to this later, but I do think it's that's an area that historically organisations have, have undervalued our, our need for relationships and social connection at work. So maybe the, those months of, of being apart um, has made us realise that and value relationships more. Yes, yes. Um, and in a way, it made it's made us conscious how much we were taking for granted. Well, that person's down the hall. I can get to that. And now we're becoming conscious not only for good old Joe, who I've known for 10 years, but good old Joe over in London, who I've never met. We're almost, another side is we're almost increasing it. Uh, anyway, lovely and uh, now you have this whole neuroscience thing. So why did you decide to write two books on neuroscience? What did you want readers and leaders and teams to concentrate on, to get out of this? Well, I guess the, the first one, Neuroscience for Organizational Change, the first edition came out quite a few years ago now. And, and I guess um, part of why I wrote it is when I was doing my applied neuroscience studies, just about Every week there was something useful, there was something interesting, and often just that feeling of few. It's not just me that feels that way when that things happen. That's yeah, you know, that's that's how our brains respond to certain things. So I just found it incredibly useful on a personal level, both in terms of work and in terms of home life as well. So um, and I just thought there's lots of useful science and evidence there that's that's really useful to um, leaders and organisations, to people who work in human resources, to people who work in change, to people who work in communications, that it brings a bit more evidence and science to what's to what's going on. Um, and in some cases, I think what it's doing is probably reinforcing the, the, the gut feelings, the gut instincts of good leaders about what is a good way to lead people. Um, but in other words, I think there are useful insights about, about what is important to the human brain. And I guess for most of us, our brains are our key work tool, so to speak. That's, that's all we've got to work with. And I'm a big believer that if we can understand them better, 
then we can work with that knowledge and perhaps get more out of our brains and the brains of our, our co-workers and, 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 and team members. So I just really think all of us, particularly now, need to understand our brains a bit better and, and use that knowledge for our own benefit and for the benefit of the organisations we work in. So, um, and neuroscience is still pretty new. I mean, in a way, it's, 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 the, it's um, technology is what's really moving on our knowledge of the brain. And important technology like fMRI scanners have only been much more available for the last 30 years or so. So that's why we're hearing much more about neuroscience now than we did 50 years ago or whatever. It's because technology is really moving on our understanding of the brain. So it's now at a stage where it, there is enough useful information there, I think, to make it relevant um, to organisations and, and to people who work in them. So I guess I kind of felt that there was, yeah, I really wanted to share that knowledge with people because I just found it so useful myself. So one of the things you did find is the brain does not like change. So given that um, and having some of that knowledge, how should a leader go about dealing with change especially during these times of a lot of change yeah that, that's right I mean I mean on the whole our brains are brilliant things but there's certain things about there's, there's certain things that our brains look for that they crave that change takes away from us so some of those things are our brains um, are prediction machines they crave certainty because they have a sense if they've got certainty they're better placed to protect us. And the key goal of the brain is, 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 is safety and survival. Change often takes that away. It means I don't know what's coming up. Um, um, also, our brains like things that wants to have a sense of, of control. And again, often with organizational change, we have a sense it's been imposed upon us um, and that we might lack influence over it. And, and I guess just going back to COVID, I think part of the reason why COVID was so scary initially it was unpredictable, it was uncontrollable, and that is a very difficult thing for the human brain. So I think partly just recognizing that, that there's certain things brains look for and 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 find find difficult. Um, and just being aware of that is, is is really important. So just initially fundamentally understanding the brain and what it needs and what it looks for is, is important in terms of change. And what change, uncertainty, a lack of control can can is a kind of threat state in the brain, sort of fight or flight. People might be familiar with with, with that term, where the brain's kind of it's it, it's kind of like an alert error goes off in our brains. We can't quite settle again until we have got certainty um, and have got a sense of, of of control over what's coming up. So I think one of the things for leaders is really important for them is is initially to be aware of that threat response in our brains because when we are in that threat state when we are in fight or flight we cannot think at our best um fight or flight takes takes precedence in the brain um and the part of the brain is so important in terms of thinking and decision making called the prefrontal cortex this part of the brain behind behind our foreheads um kind of gets deprioritized by the brain in a sense when we're in fight or flight um, so we cannot think at our, at our best. So what is being aware of it? And then two, I think it's it's looking for those things like where can we, in a world where we might feel we haven't got much certainty, um, and at the moment I think that's true in the workplace and outside the workplace too, I think, you know, in terms of what's going on in the, war, the world at the moment, in terms of conflicts and energy crisis and climate crisis, you know, we have a lot of uncertainty in our in outside work as well is where can we provide um, perhaps a bit more certainty for employees? So it can be little things 
that so a leader might might be okay I can't give you certainty about what's coming up in this organization but I do guarantee I will sit down with you every Tuesday morning for example and tell you what I do or don't know so at least giving employees some certainty around communication and that relationship and again I think helping people to understand what they can control what they can influence the brain tends to get quite distracted by all the things and all the issues that we can't resolve so helping people just to focus on the things that we can we we, we can achieve that we, we can focus on and also I think um, in a time if we're feeling quite sort of a bit out of our depth a bit overwhelmed little things like setting people short-term goals if we're getting anxious about what might be happening next week a few months time or whatever just setting people short-term achievable goals because at least if each day I feel like I'm achieving a goal I get to the end of the working day and can kind of go tick check I've done that that feels good to the brain it feels rewarding to the brain it's settling to the brain and it means I can go back into work the following morning in, in a slightly more um, positive place than I would have been so part of the beauty of neuroscience I think is that lots of little things can make a big difference to us. And that's that's one of the other really good things about it. Just little things that leaders can go away and do that just help settle the brain, help people focus, help people collaborate better or perform better. Yeah. And uh, so the little, like a short-term goals, even week to week, and and these chats that we, we are encouraging leaders to have, that gives a nice cadence to the discussions you might have. That also then gives a nice sense of security, or at least better. And, and I don't know either. And we're going to explore it together and work on it together. So every Friday at three, you know, we have this ping of, of perhaps settling on the brain. I, I love those three things that, that you mentioned, Mitch. Yeah. Um, uh, the show's Team Anywhere. And I just want to know in terms of um, what they're finding in neuroscience, what you found or, or they're finding lately, um, what, you know, what, is, what is going on in our brains as we are separated from our colleagues? And what, do leaders, what can leaders do to... Um, to alleviate, let's say, alleviate the suffering that's going on with people not having that face-to-face interaction every day. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a really good question, and, and we are we are deeply, deeply social creatures, and we are constantly checking out: Do I fit in? Do I belong? And so, really important in, in especially in days of where we are in hybrid working or remote working remotely, um, just spending some time at the beginning of meetings just doing some of that kind of social exchange, those bits of, of just asking about the family or the weekend or whatever, those little things that just make us feel feel connected is, is really important. Rather than just Because I think when we're working online, we tend to be much more business and straight into the, the, the meeting. And if we were in a workplace together, there would be those moments in the kitchen over the coffee machine or whatever, where we would just have that sort of small talk, chit chat, where we would get to know each other a bit more. So I think... Um, I, I, I think more of that. I think one of the things that kind of bonds people is um, a sense of vulnerability. So I think leaders who are prepared to say, I'm finding this difficult or just sharing some of those things too makes it okay for other team members to say, actually, I'm finding this bit difficult as well. So sharing bits, little bits of vulnerability, I think are really important in terms of helping people to, to bond and create connections and relationships. Hi. We are taking a quick break to remind you to support our podcast 
by hitting the subscribe button and leaving us a review. Your feedback means a lot to us. And with that, we can put together more engaging and thought-provoking content for leadership and remote work. Right, right. Um, let's go on. In, in your book um, in, on the friendly workplace, you talk about a notion of things that have to be considered, six factors. Can, can you explain what those are and, and why we should consider them? Sure. So that's in the little book, Brain Power at Work. Yeah, so, so there, there are six factors that research and, and, and um, science has showed. They're all important to all of us, but we do have different preferences. If we've got them, research shows that our brains tend to be in a more positive place. We can uh, collaborate better. We can be more creative. We're more resilient. We're more curious about the world. All things are important for work. If we haven't got these six factors, our brains go into this threat state that I mentioned earlier, where we're distracted, we can't quite focus properly, we can't think as well, we're not as creative. The six factors are, the first one is self-esteem. So that's that sense of um, feeling good about ourselves, having a positive narrative about ourselves, feeling respected by others, feeling trusted by others. It's also, um, that one also reflects kind of mastery of skills. So if I feel I'm getting better at things and developing, again, I'm more likely to be in a positive place in terms of self-esteem than in a threat state. The P, the space is, the P stands for um, purpose. And there's lots of research, I'm sure you're familiar with it, that, that shows that the importance of having a sense of purpose in our work that if I feel what I do um, is meaningful and makes a difference, and particularly because we are such social creatures that it has a positive impact on other people, again, that makes a big difference to how we feel about, about um, the world in general, having a sense of purpose and meaning, and that my work makes a difference. The A in spaces stands for autonomy, that I've touched on, and that sense of having some control, some influence. Um, as human beings, we want to feel we've got a little bit of control over, over something, that we're not complete victims of what's going on. So the question there often, I think, for leaders is, is where can you let go? Where can you give people a bit of influence over what's going on, be it change in the organisation, whatever it is? If people feel they've got a bit of control, that helps to put their brains into a much more constructive, positive place. The C is for certainty. I touched on it as well. That sense that our brains um, uh, crave information because if they've got information, they're better placed to protect us. So our brains, say, crave information and certainty, too much so, because I think, as we all know, it's something we can never have as complete certainty, but it's what our brains want, so they can better protect us. And research even shows that the human brain on the whole can deal with bad news, even really bad news, is the not knowing that is so difficult for our human brains. So again, the importance of leaders getting out there and giving people information and um I'll give you an example. Actually, during the, the banking crisis a while ago, I was working with um, a bank, with, and the part of the bank called the Bad Bank in inverted commas. It was the bit of the bank. That... Wait, the banking crisis a while ago or the banking crisis like today? Oh, the, the one, this is one a while ago. This is one a while ago, but I'm sure the same would be true today. And, and, and I, was, I was working with a, with a um, you put your true, how these things come around again? Um, but uh, that uh, I was working with a group of leaders who were in a part of the bank that was going to be closed down or sold off. And um, so they all knew they were going to be out of a job in about 18 months time. And I was brought in to help work with them because they said they're all going to be out of a job in 18 months time. It's all going, but we need them to keep performing until then. 
So I did work with them and uh, and they did these leaders did an extraordinary job. You know, in the end, they they hit their targets better than people back in the main bank. Their employee engagement scores were higher than people back in the main bank. And when I said to them, how are you doing this? They said, because we know we know we're out of a job in 18 months time. So we can kind of make a plan. We're thinking about our resumes, our CVs. We can I think about what skills are useful to us. We're making a plan. The people back in the main bank right now, they might think their jobs are secure, but we all know banking's a bit precarious and they can't make a plan. So that really brought home to me a bit about even the difficult news about my job is going. Once we've got that news, we can kind of take back some control. So so certainty, so even if it's bad news, I think our brains, once we're over the initial shock, we can kind of get on. We can kind of get on, make a plan. So, so certainty or autonomy clo- closely related. The E stands for equity and a sense of um, fair play. And research shows that when an organisation is going through change, our, our need for a sense of fair play goes up even more. That we have a sense of if there's going to be change around here, then I want to know I've got as good a chance as next person of getting the resources I want or training or want or, or job that I want. So our need for a sense of fair play equity does go up when we're going through change. And S, the last space is, is for social connection that we've touched on already. Um, but one, say, I think is, is, is hugely important. We are deeply social creatures. Research shows, although social connection and relationships are often talked about as soft skills in the organisation, research shows they're absolutely not. They have a big impact if we, if we feel we belong, if we feel our manager is taking an interest in us, if we feel we're part of a team, we are much more able to perform and, and better and better perform well. Um, so there's nothing soft about it. So the importance of social connection, it makes a big difference to our ability to perform. And I think also there might be times in the organisation, especially if the organisation is going through change, there might be times when a leader says, I can't give you more certainty right now that, you know, perhaps there are other things I can't do. But there's always something we can do around social connection, I think. That's every one of us can do something that just helps to make people feel they do belong, they do matter, someone is interested in their welfare. Do we have any data that demonstrates what happens when a company is strong in spaces and when a company is weak in spaces? I think in terms of just each of the areas, each of the six have been shown to be important in terms of uh, in terms of um, organizational success. So and and I guess add, add all six together. And that would be a very good place to be in a sense. If people have got all six brains are in a very positive place. If people have none of the six, uh, their brains are in a very negative place. Indeed, and it's very hard to negotiate with somebody who feels they've got none of the six. So why it's so important to move some of them across to, to the, the more to more of the, the reward state, and again, I've you know I've I've run sessions and and gone through the six spaces, the six factors, and and talked about them and the impact on our brains. And at the end of those sessions, sometimes people said to me, "Thank you so much. That was really helpful." Because either they were in a job they were miserable in, or they are in a job that they're miserable in, and they said, "I thought there was something wrong with me." But I now realise it's not the same way. It's actually the, the, the working environment I'm in. I've got none of the six factors. So it can be really useful in that sense too. Well, I want to ask um, the, a question around the brain. So with these six um, with spaces, when I have a happy brain, 
what does it allow me to, so as an employee, when, if, if I, if I create for an employee, happy brain, what comes out of that employee versus if I create an employee with um, sad brain, like what are the differences? You know, I'm assuming like creativity. I'm just wondering what happens when brains are in good spaces. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you say things like creativity, because when we're in a, a bad place, when we're in fight or flight or feeling stressed or frazzled or whatever, in a sense, all our energy is about looking after me and my welfare and survival. If we um, are, are free of those things, then in a sense, we can use our energy to be curious, to connect with other people. We're better at problem solving and things like that. I mean, in some of the workshops I run, I just do a very simple exercise with people where we start off and something's quite fun. And then I'm putting them under more and more pressure by speeding up on a, on a particular task. And you just see how quickly that creativity goes out the window in the space of, what, two minutes. It's, it's that fast. Initially, they can think of all sorts of things. Then they can't because I'm putting them under pressure. So I think all those, when our brains are in a more positive state, yeah, we can, we, we're better at problem solving. We're more curious. We can use our energy to support other people. I mean, all the things that are important to organizations, we can be those things. Um, but I have to say, it's not that our brains don't need any stress. They do need some. We, we, need, we, we need a bit of a challenge to get ourselves going. Um, so, but it's, but it's a fine balance. Our brains, the human brain, when it works its best, is that sense of I'm challenged, I'm unstretched, but I'm up to it. I can do it. And that's the fine balance we need to find. And that's what leaders need to find is challenge and stretch people, but don't overwhelm them, that they feel they're, they're capable and they're, and they're competent. So one can take these factors, these six factors, and almost use it as a bit of a checklist uh, saying, how can I keep the brains uh, ex more excited in terms of the team and, and who I'm dealing with? So have I touched base? Have we done an activity that encourages engagement? Um, have I, in the last phone call, let that acknowledge that person and say, I, you know, how is that project going? Uh, some kind of interest that I'm valued. I can almost go through that, which is fabulous because we're out here. Mitch and I are out here. We're having wonderful folks like you, but unlike you, they're saying, well, you need empathy. Well, you have to have these chats with people and ask them these questions. All those are wonderful, but your six factors are magical almost. As you say, I think they are a really useful checklist. I might use them as a planning tool with people in session, say, what have you got coming up? It could be something small. It could be a meeting. It could be appraisals. It could be change on a macro scale. What have you got coming up and how do you plan that thing, whatever it is, to make sure as much as possible people have got those six factors? And so in some cases, it might help you recognize you haven't got one of those factors, but, but okay, can you do more on some of the others? Because it's really important that at least some of those six factors are in a, in a positive place. So absolutely, it's useful as a planning tool. It's useful in a meeting. If you're in a meeting and suddenly somebody seems to get quite angry or upset or aggressive with you have I perhaps taken one of those six away from them so in the moment it's useful and and retrospectively and I've had clients too that have, have planned sessions that perhaps haven't gone quite according to plan they've used it retrospectively and said oh yeah because I didn't place enough emphasis on autonomy or whatever it might have been so planning ahead 
in the moment, retrospectively, it's, it's useful for all of those. Yeah. Oh, that is just wonderful. Uh, and you and you explained one of the other questions I had when you go in and work with a leader or a team, you can say, what do you have coming up? And now let's look at it through these six lens. Yeah. And both in terms of where's your pain and or opportunities we can go after. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Which ones you have got, that's good. And when we're, maybe maybe there's a bit of a gap or a shortage and need to work to work more. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Hillary, this is just exciting. How can people get in touch with you? I'm on LinkedIn. I'm quite active on LinkedIn. So do come and find me on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm very happy to connect with people on, on, on LinkedIn. Um, so that's probably the best That's probably the best way to get in touch with me or via the website, skeletongray.com. But, but LinkedIn is good. Oh, fabulous. Mitch. Thank you so much, Hillary. Um, thanks for coming to us from London. Pleasure. You know, when I, when I look back and I look at what, um, what, really what Ginny and I decided over two years ago to, to create was a, a space for us to really find out answers on how to support teams anywhere. And when I look at, uh, when I look at your six, um, I can see that we've, you know, I think Ginny and I both have, have developed content around um, these six things, which is, you know, what did people need? We were just looking at it as what do people need? You know, when, when, when the pandemic hit, they need to know that they're valued. So leaders get out there and value your people. They needed to, you know, be reminded of, well, what are we up to? What are we doing? What is our company doing? Because as people were dispersed, you get, you get, you know, further from the, from the, uh, the planet to understand, well, this is what we're doing with them. This is why you come to work every day. Autonomy. We know that engagement scores went up because people were like, Hey, go home. Here's a laptop. Do what you need to do. Autonomy and, and productivity went up. Um, certainty was the, was the killer, you know, here's what's certain we do not know, <laughs> you know, and that was, that was a tough one to stress a lot of people out. Um, equity was, we talked about that, which was that if you were, you know, 45, 50 and you were home, you just thought the pandemic was, you know, it's not so bad. You know, I'm living in my five bedroom house and mm. my kids are off college. But if you are living with your grandparents, your parents, and your babies at home, it was, it was really inequitable. Um, and then what we were really talking about was developing social connection. So what can you do to bring vulnerability, to um, share your situation? Um, mm. And just the pandemic allowed people to see inside people's homes. Mm. Well, Mitch, you just used it. Yeah, I know. That's, right? <laughs> that's really, really great. Um, big fan of neuroscience. Uh, my son is studying neuroscience. So this has been great. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Hillary. Thank you, Ginny. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for uh, tuning in weekly for Team Anywhere. We look forward to seeing you on our next episode of Team Anywhere. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Before we sign off for today, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your support helps us grow. And by subscribing, you'll be the first to know when our next episode is available.